Good morning. Uh, appreciate you being here today. Uh, Phil, if you're curious, is on vacation. Uh, he's somewhere in a swamp, I hear. So I pray that the gators don't get him down there in Florida or uh, Georgia. I'm not exactly sure. He tends to uh, move. Maybe maybe Eric has some more intel on that. So, Oh, they're on their way back. Okay. Well, hopefully he's not driving because he was texting me. So... <laughs> so well, this morning we're going to continue our study in Joshua, uh, and I, today's message is about 12 stones, uh, the 12 stones in Joshua chapter 4, following up on uh, Derek's great message last week, and uh, so we're going to see how it goes. It's going to be a little bit rocky today, <laughs> so, but it really is a heavy subject, and I mean that it's funny, but it really is a heavy subject, so... It's a, it's a serious one. Um, and I, I really like the crossing of the Jordan. There's so many different um, visualizations there. You're like, did this really happen? Did this really physically happen? And I thought it was interesting last week. If, if you weren't here, you missed it. You can always watch it on our YouTube channel. But Derek was uh, telling us about how they prepared themselves for the crossing of the river. I don't know how many people here have crossed rivers. I just go right across, honestly. I don't sit, I mean, that's probably bad. I don't sit there and pray about, like, God, what type of preparation do I need to go through to cross this river? I spend a lot of time hiking and, and on rivers, in uh, boats, and I don't, I'm not really think about preparing myself, but there is some preparation that goes into hiking, whether it is making sure I wear the right clothes or the right shoes or the right type of boat to float down the river. But they took a lot of time to prepare for that. Uh, it was a great message that Derek had last week. But this was an interesting river crossing that happened. And we'll see again today. So when they crossed a river, it's completely dry on the bottom. Which is something that you might see in the middle of the summer. But we'll get into why it was important that it was dry at that time. And so they spend a lot of time preparing for this. So as we, we walk into this, as we read this scripture, we think about they were concentrating themselves. They were concentrated for this, which really can mean they were devoted. They were really focused on what was about to happen. And we're going to talk about these memorial stones that they pull out of the river today. And uh, we're going to talk about the significance of stones, the significance of stones. Get my verbiage correctly there. Um, and stones were very important then for memorials as much as they are today. I think we use stones uh, very much the same. Many thousands of years ago, they discovered that stones are really good for memorials. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is. But I wanted to think through, as I introduced this to you, of what memorials we have today to kind of get us into the mindset of the significance of memorials that we have in our life and the memorial that this was that the Israelites set up. And I was thinking through what type of uh, memorials do we have, and uh, I've got a couple of uh, slides here I'll show you. Um, yeah, this is, the, uh, this is a memorial. Uh, it's, it was built by the Catholic Church. That's the uh, Jesus Christ overlooking Rio. It's a very, it, you can't miss it. It's a huge memorial. We saw it on TV during the Olympics a couple of years ago. And 
Uh, they showed it in every slide. Very, very significant uh, memorial that we have there. But we have some other uh, memorials like this. This is a uh, memorial uh, to my, my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh, it's in a cemetery just on the east side of Alliance here. And uh, why do we have that memorial? Well, because we're going to forget about them in a couple of generations if we don't have something there. You know, it's interesting as you walk through a cemetery and I say, oh, look, there's another Sheen. Well, maybe I should figure out who that was, too. Maybe I'm related to them because they have the same last name as me. And we have those types of memorials in our life, too. But we have memorials all around us every day. Like, we have memorials on our walls. What, what, what type of memorials do we have on our walls every day? Pictures. Yeah, I, this is a good picture. This is a memorial we have on our wall. That's, that's a great picture. <laughs> So it's from our wedding day. I'm sure, I hope that if you're married and you have a wedding picture, it's a memorial, you can remember that day. Cameron's getting to the age where he goes, oh, look, that's Mommy and Daddy, and what were they doing? And um, we're all dressed up, and we can talk about our wedding day with, with our kids and our grandkids. We have pictures of our, um, I have pictures of my great-grandmother and grandfather from their, their wedding day. And those are neat, because I'm not going to remember them. My, Cameron will never know them, have possibly be able to know these people, but through pictures it's able for us to memorialize them so he'll ask and say, who is that and why is that significant? Why do we have that on our wall? We also have very, very significant memorials. This is a neat picture. I was at the Oklahoma City uh, Memorial. That was uh, where the bomber blew up the building, and these are empty chairs, each chair representing somebody who passed away at the Oklahoma City bombing. It's a very surreal state, but we have these memorials all over the U.S. for different things, generally memorializing uh, a tragedy, though we do have memorials for um, things that maybe good had happened there through statues. So as you think, there's memorials all around us. There's memorials here in Alliance. We have statues and uh, bricks in the ground. If you, if you go downtown, you'll see some of those type of memorials. These are very significant to us. And why do we have these? So we don't forget what happened. And I think it's very easy for us to forget what happened. Sometimes we forget what happened last week or yesterday or this morning because we don't take time to mark this occasion and say, this is what we need to remember and this is why we need to remember it. So we're going to start this morning. We're going to read... Uh, Joshua chapter 4, if you want to turn in your Bible, uh, we're going to read um, 1 through, uh, through 20 this morning, uh, and we'll, we'll read the rest, but we're going to start there with us. And it says, when all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stood firmly to bring them over and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Pass up before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in a time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan till everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of the Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over Arn before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as he had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony, Come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and all the souls of the priests were lifted upon dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So there's a lot of work that happened here. He tells them to set up these 12 stones that they pull out of the Jordan, pull them out of the Jordan, and uh, set them up where they camped that night, which was Gilgal. And I think through this, and I've seen a lot of rivers, and I've seen a uh, lot of river stones, and unless we're talking about little pebbles, which would not be significant at all to set up a little tower of little pebbles, um, I think we can take from this that these were pretty significant stones, and that what would have been a pretty big project to pull these stones out of the river and get them out. Most river stones that I see are, are pretty big, pretty significant, heavy stones. And, and why does God have them build this tower of stone? Well, again, it's because he doesn't want them to forget. He doesn't want them to forget why they passed over the river, why they... Uh, why they uh, brought those up out of the river. My notes are out of order. <clears throat> but these stones were not easy to move. I want you to, they, they had to really take some time. And I think it would be a little daunting. You know, the River Jordan, it's... It's not, a, it's not the biggest river in the world, but it's still a river, a rushing river. Think about this, at flood stage that was there. And flooding rivers, you can start seeing that about this time of the year. I just saw a flooding river yesterday. They overflow their banks, and uh, they're a little scary. They're, they're really a force to be reckoned with. Most rivers are, 
even in the middle of the driest time of summer, if they're a significant river, uh, they're, they're very uh, powerful. And at flood stage, this isn't something that you want to mess around with. And I think it's significant as we look at the story to remember that this was at flood stage because you would probably be able to cross over the Jordan River, and they did, not during flood time. So the, the River Jordan stops, stops flowing. We remember from chapter 3 that the cities downriver from this point are cut off. They don't have any water. So they're probably freaking out, like, what's going on here? And then the Israelites are out there, I'm going to assume for at least a couple hours, doing an excavation project, pulling stones out of the river. And I'd be a little stressed out myself. Because I'm standing in the middle of a river at flood stage. I got, I'm assuming, I don't, I don't know what it looked like. But let's say there's a wall of water here. The priests are standing. You don't know when that's going to break free. And we, we passed over. It says the, the people went over in haste. So they were a little nervous. I would have been too. Now Joshua says, hey, go back out in the river and get these stones. I mean, I don't want to hang out there any longer than, than I need to. And it takes a little while for 40,000 people to walk across. If you've ever been to... Uh, uh, big stadium, baseball game, basketball game, and most of those aren't 40,000 people, but it still takes a long time to move everybody through because if one person stops to tie their shoe or this or that, it just slows down the whole bunch of them. And, you know, so we're waiting for this. So we're assuming several hours. It probably took them the entire day to get across this. And then they do this excavation process, which likely they probably did after everybody passed through. And the priests are probably like, can we, can we move this on? Because I don't want to be standing here in the middle of this river today. Um, but it was so important that they would remember and that he made them stand there and wait for so long for this to be part of saying, I'm under control. I've got this river under control. It's, it's my control, not your control, that is stopping this river from flowing and from washing you away. But think about these stones. So, uh, they take these stones out of the river, and they're going to take them up to Gilgal, uh, where they, they stay for many generations after that. And I, I think one of the significant things about that, have you ever hung out with a guy who builds things, builds houses, builds buildings, whatever? Man, I don't want to say it's annoying, but it can get annoying. You drive down the street like, I built that, I built that, I built that. I got a guy that does that. Um, cool. I you can't, and they know everything about everybody's house on the street because they were a part of the building process of that. And that's probably what happened. These 12 guys are like, hey, I built that tower. I'm never going to forget about it. And they're going to tell everybody about it. And I'm assuming Joshua got guys who were pretty, uh, pretty good at building things. That's who he's going to get, guys who are good at excavating things. And they were these types of guys. They were construction guys who went down there and, and pulled these stones out. And it's significant that he gets one from each tribe. So there would be one guy in each area. And Phil's going to get into the geography of the tribes and where they settled. But there's going to be one guy in each area where the tribes settled that would have been involved in this at the time, too. And they would have been able to start passing down the story of the stones that they brought out. You know, these stones are pretty significant. Uh, setting up stones, having gravestones are important. Um, kind of, it, It's kind of a funny story. If you don't think it's funny, I apologize. But uh, several years ago, I 
I mowed grass for a living. And uh, there was a house on the north side of Alliance, and the company I worked for had contracted us to mow it every two weeks. And they had a, some drainage in their yard, and it was really wet, and it was very difficult to mow because it was always muddy. But they could only afford us every two weeks, so we'd show up every two weeks and mow. And the first time I got there, the owner comes out, and he says to me, you know, just be careful in the backyard. My mother's ashes are back there. I've got a little memorial set up for her. And he didn't take me back there and show it to him. I'm like, well, I better walk out there and look at it. And I walk out there, and I'm telling you, it's grass about above my knees. It was very difficult to mow. And I kind of kicked around and looked for a while, and I finally found this small copper box with some flowers on it. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to be really careful not to hit that. You know, it's something that's pretty significant in this job to make sure you don't hit things. And I was a little nervous about it. And the summer wore on, and... You know, when you mow 100 yards a week or something, they kind of just go together, and it's it's hot, and you're probably suffering from heat stroke out there, and there's never enough water. And so the day comes along, and, and I'm mowing along in that backyard, and there's copper everywhere, and there's there's ashes everywhere. And I was horrified. I'm still kind of horrified. I kind of, whenever I drive past this house, I'm never going to admit where it's at, okay? Only my wife knows, and my boss at the time. And I'm always kind of like, sorry. And I was like, what do I do? And I, I didn't know what to do. I, I'd never had to face this. And I, you know, I called my boss, what do I do? What do I do? And he goes, you're just going to have to tell him. I don't know what else to say. This is not a situation that we deal with every day. And so I went to the front door, and I said, sir, I hit something in the backyard. It's it's copper, and he's like, yeah, those are my mother's ashes. And he goes, can you bury her for me? So we buried her and had a little uh, little moment, me and the property owner together. <laughs> and she was buried there, but I walked away from that thinking, you know what would have been really nice? A stone. A stone would have been perfect, because I would have hit that. Oh, that's where that's at. And we would have been fine. It would have never happened. We would have, we could have put a stone there. And, then, and why is it significant that we have stones? Well, stones last a long time. They really do. You know, they say diamonds are forever, but there's, and that's why we give our wives diamonds. We give, uh, when you uh, get engaged, you get them a diamond ring because it's going to last a long time. But stones, I know, and I don't know a lot about stones. I should have consulted Matt because he's a stone guy. He, he deals in stones. He's a stone dealer. Uh, <laughs> I don't engrave them. <laughs> These stones from riverbeds are usually very, very hard. If they're not hard, they're not going to last there very long. You're not going to have like a sandstone or a limestone there because they're going to get washed away. They get broken down very quickly. A very hard stone in this riverbed. These things are going to last a significant amount of time. The rains are going to come. Weather's going to come. They're going to weather really well. They're going to last a significant amount of time. And not only that, they're usually extremely heavy. So you're not going to forget moving these massive stones out of the river. And we still use stones today. We know that they're important because every foundation that we build has stone that is built into the foundation to keep the structure from falling down. They, they mix special types of concrete now into these stone structures so that they don't fall down. That's why we have stones, because 
they're not going anywhere. They're very, very, very hard to move, and they work very hard. I see the, the street crew out there every time some water line breaks in the road, and I feel bad for those guys. I'll see them out there in you know, sub-zero temperatures, and they've got the jackhammer going on. They, I wish I could find a better way to fix these pipes than having to break through the concrete every time, and then they gotta, they got to redo it at the end. But they need that roadbed to be solid for the, the trucks and the traffic running over it so it doesn't fall in. So I did a little research about these stones, because I'm wondering, are these stones still there? It'd be really cool if we could see these stones. And uh, I found a, a picture that may be the Tower of Stones, I'm not sure. But considering this was three to 4,000 years ago, a lot could have happened to these stones. And I'm not even sure if this is how they set them up. We really have no idea. Because from what I can tell is the stones aren't there. And we can tell that the stones were forgotten, at least, when we look at what happened during the history of Israel, as they forgot what God did at the Jordan River. Regardless of the stones were there or not, they forgot the story. They forgot why they crossed into the land. They forgot the faith that held, as they excavated the stones out of the river, that the water did not drown them as they were pulling those stones out, and they forgot whatever it was. I don't know if they tore the memorial down, or it's like any other memorial. We forget why it's there, and we kind of move on, and we don't even think about it, you know. Perhaps these stones were torn down during one of the conquests in the land. There was a lot of captivity that happened to Israel because they forgot who God was, and God judged them on that. So what do these stones mean to us? That's the question. We're talking about stones, 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 stones. We're all talking about stones today. and We want to know why. what's so significant about these stones. Well, uh, verse 21 to the end of the chapter tells us uh, why, the big why here. And he, saying God, said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? And you shall tell your children, No, Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. This is the second time he did this, by the way. Which he dried up for us to, until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and you may fear the Lord your God forever. Why? God did this so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. I've got a mighty God who can stop a river. We spend billions of dollars in this country on flood control. And we build dams, and the dams break, and we have these reservoirs, and we do all this work and all this research to try to control the flow of this water. And God can just stop a river a long time before the technology came along to do what we can do today, which is pretty incredible. And still with the incredible technology we have today, it still doesn't always work. We still end up with problems with all those 
stones. I mean, they could have built as many stones as they wanted in that, but they, they wouldn't have done that practically during flood stage. Keep remembering that this river was at flood stage when God stopped it. Only, only my God can stop rivers at flood stage in an instant. God shows his power over water time and time again throughout the Bible. If, if you did a study on that, it's pretty amazing uh, what he does with water. Uh, the Red Sea is one of my favorite, of course, crossing the, the Jordan River. But then Jesus shows his power over walking on the water, calming the water, just like that in an instant. It listens to him. I don't know anybody else who can do that. The water is definitely under God's control. So these 12 stones, these signify something very, very important. And this is what I want us to think about today. They signify faith. So the priest stepping down into the water, on, into a river, on a normal day, would be a force to reckon with. Remember, they're carrying the most important, most valuable item they own in the country. It's like if we took and put the Declaration of the Independence and the Constitution in a box, and we walked out in the middle of the Mississippi River, said, don't do that. <laughs> I say, don't do that. But that's what they did. They took the most important things, these are the Ten Commandments, in this box, they walked out into the middle of the river at flood stage. You're going to die. Practically, that's, that's what I would think. I'm, you're not going to make it. I don't normally step down into a river without giving it some thought. I don't normally step into a river at flood stage. It has to be really important for me to do it. If it's rushing really fast, we don't want to get on that river uh, if you're a whitewater rafter, there's a lot of preparation you need to go into that. And it sounds like these guys just nonchalantly walked down into the river, and I'm sure they were thinking, well, that's what Joshua said to do, so let's do it. And so they walked down the river. It took a, uh, an amazing amount of faith on the priest's end to walk down into the river, and they had to, have, they had to lead the nation of Israel in this faith. This is an insanity thing that they did, really. But I think through this today, I'm saying, what is God calling you to do? What river is he asking you to step into? What is he asking you to do in faith? Because he's in control of everything. Now, if he can stop one of the most powerful forces known to man, that being water, can God move the obstacles that are in your life? Can he stop them? you have that kind of faith, like the priest did, to step down into the river? To spend some time in the river, too, because it's not always easy. You're going through that, that difficult time. Maybe we could call this the, a valley that they were going through. I mean, if I'm going to go walk in the river and it's that flood station, I'm going to get through it as fast as I possibly can, and that's what they did. But then God was like, no, you weren't there long enough. Go back and get some stones out of it, too. <laughs> so Second point, these 12 stones signify God's establishment of his government. Now, the Israelites had come into the land on the other side of the, the Jordan, and I guess they could have stayed there, and that would have been the easy thing to do. But God's really establishing his government now. They're, they're marching forward. They're united. 
the three tribes that are going to be on the other side of the Jordan, they're going, they're leading the charge to go get the rest of the land conquested. They're, they're leading the charge across. And these signify the establishment of God's government in the land of Israel. So they build this tower of stone and they say, what are those about? And they say, that's what we established ourselves in the land of Israel. But again, for us, God is wanting to establish himself in your life. Not only is he asking you to have some faith, but is he established in your life? And I'm not just talking about like when you were saved or when you were converted. It's not, but I'm saying us as Christian brothers and sisters, is he established? Is he concreted? Is there a stone, a solid foundation of him in your life that he is there, that he is a part of every decision that you make and every thought that you have? Has he changed your life and is he changing your life and your mindset every day? Is he established in you? Because as they go into the land of Israel, God is the focal point of everything that they do of every reason why they have every feast and remembrance and the things that they do as you, if you read through the different laws that God had already established for them, this was for them to establish their government. And this was God physically saying, okay, we prepared you for this. Now it's time for me to physically establish myself in this land. And now God wants to establish himself in our lives. And if you allowed him to do that today, now these 12 stones, third point, they signify a renewing of memories, creating new memories in the land now. They spent over 400 years in captivity and another 40 years in the wilderness. They've got a lot of negative things. You've got negative things in your history, in your mind. It's a lot of bad times. I know about bad memories and bad times. And I'm not talking like bad memories like you had the flu last week. I'm talking like somebody hurt you. Something really bad happened to you. Maybe, maybe you were abused or something like that. These are bad things. I mean, these Israelites were beaten up, bruised, abused in Egypt. It was a bad, very bad memory for them. And it's hard to get that out of your mind, passed down from... Uh, person to person over history, it's easy to remember. They say uh, bad news travels faster than good news. And God wants them to start remembering what he's going to do, what he's promised to do. Now is the time. Here's stones to remember that are going to last a long time that I want you to have new memories of what is going to happen. But it's interesting. We have an enemy. His name's Satan. And he wants us to remember all the bad stuff, whatever that may be. And it may not, maybe it's not a bad memory. Maybe you have a sin that you struggle with. And he's like, hey, remember that time you sinned? Maybe he says, you're a bad person because you keep, you keep sitting like this. Or remember this time when you did this then. Or you know what? I just want you to keep remembering what you like, what your flesh likes to do, so you're not focused on God. I didn't plan that first John scripture that they read this morning, but it's an awesome scripture. It talks about not looking to the lusts that are in this life, but looking to God 
And it's saying that we need to forget these things, whatever it may be. Maybe the sin, the thing that we're focusing on there. Maybe it's a bad memory, something bad that's happened to us. But there's things that are distracting us from God. So he can't establish himself in our life. Because he was asking us to have faith in him that he can have control over our lives so we can move forward. Psalm 103, uh, 10 through 12 says this. It says, He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So no matter what, he's forgotten these bad things. Not that he's forgotten you or how you hurt, but he wants to help you move on to stop focusing on the bad memories, the sin that's in your life. Uh, Romans 12, 1 to 2, another verse worth repeating week in and week out. Maybe something worth reading every morning if you're struggling with a sin, if you're struggling with something in your past that you can't get rid of, maybe something in your present that you're dealing with. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, I'm appealing to you, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, living, holy, and acceptable to God. This means that every part of our bodies are presented to him, that we're consecrated to God, that we're fully devoted to his work in our life. This is our spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to this world. What am I looking at on here every day? What am I scrolling through? What am I looking at? You know, my job's pretty stressful some days. And I'll, I'll get an email after hours, and, and I've had God say, you know what, Nate, don't look at that right now. You can deal with that tomorrow. You need, you need a rest now. Rest, rest in me, rest in your family. You don't, you don't need to see that instantly. Sometimes it's a negative thing, and, and I don't need to see that. I just I, I need to rest in God. We see so many negative things on, on social media, on TV. What, what are we focused on? If we have to turn on the TV first thing to see all the negativity in the media, or they, they beat each other up, and these politicians and the media, and they're, they're always going at each other. What are we focused on? Maybe, maybe quit focusing on whatever pops up this second and, and focus on what, it, what stays true, what God's word, it never changes. I don't remember a time that I sat down and read his word that I felt more anxiety because I read it. I feel more anxiety sometimes when I see what's, what's on Facebook or, or watch the, the next terrible thing that's happening in politics on the TV or even the movies we, have, we watch or the shows we watch. These things don't fill me up. They just drain me more. They give me more anxiety. I had a, a memory I was struggling with a couple of weeks ago. And 
It just, it wouldn't go away. And I finally just said, God, I, I don't want this memory in my mind anymore. I'm, I'm tired of it being in the forefront of my mind. And, and you know what? After that, it's been hard to really recall it. It's not forward in my front. Now, I, I say that, and I, I know what that memory is, but it's not just constantly there all the time. He's removing it from me. He's taking, he's taking these things and moving them far away, moving, moving our transgressions away from us, helping remove those sins, those, those terrible things out of our life. God wants us to remember his grace and his mercy, his love, and we tend to forget these things. So we get so focused on all the negative, the hate in the world. We, we get so focused on those things. And I can't believe this person did this to me. And I, I just don't want to talk to that person anymore. And we get so wrapped up in that. And then that's why I wanted to uh, partake in communion today. Because he gave us his son. So that we can remember that today. He gave us his son to remove our sins. He saved us from our sins. And he wants us to remember that. His body that was broken, the blood that was shed to save us from our sins. And everybody's sins can be washed away by Christ's work. That's one of our stones of remembrance. But what are some stones that you're going to put in your life today? What are some memorials that you're going to set up in your life so that you're not focused on all of the things that distract you from God? Jesus took bread and wine and Luke, and he said he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup has been poured out for you, is a new covenant in my blood. That's why we do communion, so that we can remember the work that God's done in our life. But maybe you need to set up some other things in your life. Maybe if the first thing you wake up in the morning, you grab the phone and you see all the negative things that come, maybe you shouldn't leave your phone on your nightstand anymore. Maybe it should be your Bible. Maybe the maybe you shouldn't even turn the TV on in the morning. Maybe it just starts a negative beginning to your day. What are you doing to make sure that you remember the work that God's done in your life every day? Put positive God memorials in your life every day. Put those things that God set up for you in your way. Maybe hang some scriptures in your office, in your house, wherever you work or spend your time. Put a scripture up that says, hey, God's doing a work in your life. And he wants you to remember that. Uh, I, I got this great desk calendar. It's a simple thing. It's got scripture verses on it. I look at it every day. Some days I'm like, oh, that's nice. And other days I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. I don't think the author knows that. But those things are nice, constant reminders that God's with me in my life. And it's not about the negativity that Satan wants to remind me of and remind me of and to pull me down. We're going we're gonna to serve communion now. Uh, we're going to make two lines, make this the center. So if you're on this side, 
uh, come up here to the right. But before we do this, I want us to think about consecrating our lives, taking time to be focused on what this means right now. I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 11 as we go today. On just, just a word of caution um, here at Wellspring, uh, we don't we don't discriminate. Anybody can take communion, whether you're a member or not. That's not important to us. But First Corinthians 11 and verse 27 says, "Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord." Let a person examine himself, much like when they consecrated themselves before they crossed the Jordan River. Examine yourself, and so eat the bread and the drink the cup. For anyone who drinks, for eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. For if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So what he's saying is, focus on your life. What is God telling you? Is there some sin in your life? Is there something? I don't know. I'm not here. I'm not a judge of you. I need to judge my own life. And if you don't feel as though you are in a place that you should take of the Lord's Supper today, that's fine. We don't think that this is anything more significant than some grape juice and some crackers that are here, but it's the, it's the memory that we have here. It's what we're trying to remember in it. It's the significance of this, uh, that God gave us his son and broke his body for us, shed his blood. These are no more than, than crackers and grape juice. There's no power in the actual elements that are here, but God wants us to examine ourselves before we do this, so that we will not condemn ourselves by uh, taking these elements. So let me pray for us, and uh, we'll, we'll start the line. And uh, take a moment and pause on, so that you have some time to examine your life. Father, you've given us memorials in our life, just as you gave the children of Israel who passed over the Jordan River. Help us take our stones out of the river and set them up. Today, what do you what do you want us to do, Father? What is what are you asking each one of us individually to do? Is there something that we in faith need to go to our brother and repent and say, I was wrong? Or maybe there's a sin in our life that we need to repent of, Father. Forgive us. Help us to examine our life. Bring this to our mind. And as we partake in these elements, Father, I pray that you would help us to remember the significance of your Son who died for us. That that's what we need to remember in this time.
Father, I want to commit this, this remembrance of the Lord's Supper to you. I pray that you would uh, allow us to take this freely without condemnation in our life. If you want to come forward, um, take the elements. Uh, let's do back to that.